Hey guys, Dude2Joe here on Two Dudes One Double Feature. Just wanted to make a note about the second half of this episode. Obviously, Robert Rodriguez is plastered all over this episode, um, but the co-director of Machete, Richard and I had a tough time with the last name, and I found a bunch of different answers uh, to the pronunciation, and I found Ethan Maniquis, and that's what I'm sticking with at the moment. If anybody has like a correction and they want to send it in, by all means, please do, because for the life of me, by doing a, like a Google search and trying to find an interview, uh, trying to find really anything, uh, that's the best I had. Um, I wish we could do better and uh, hope we could do better in the future, but just keep that in mind. Anyway, the usual nonsense applies to this show. No one under 18 should be listening to this as for adults. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of our employers. Anyhow, this is Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Uh, welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. Welcome to the show, everybody. Now, right now, as you know, we're, or in case you don't know, um, we are currently in our holiday uh, bi-weekly period. So, again... Uh, this is probably the last time I'll, I'll bring it up to be honest, but, uh, we have a new episode today, but then we'll have another episode in two weeks, kind of how we are, we're going to be doing things until what June, right? Yeah, basically yeah, pretty much. Yeah. This specific time period, we're, we're trying to focus, um, on celebrating the holidays though. Admittedly with, uh, this pairing, you could probably, uh, we could probably figure that you have a lot of questions, but you know what? We like to do things how we like to do things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, before we get into anything, um, I, uh, how do I start this? So I want to, I want to fix something and it might take me, if you don't mind, Joey. Sure. Okay. So a while ago on this show. We were, we, you know, like we normally do, we were talking about a couple of movies, and I was listening back to that episode, um, this specific episode, and I was specifically excited to hear what we had to say about the actors on the show, or in the movie we were talking about, and, you know, I'm listening to the episode, we're having a good time, it's, you know, I it's one of the better episodes, that, I, and we get to that moment where we're talking about the actors, and I'm specifically excited to hear myself talk about the main actor of the movie we were talking. And I I was a little disappointed in myself. Because, like, this is... Like, I, like I'm talking about the actor. We're talking about the actor. And, you know, I'm saying, like, you know, oh, you know, this person's great. But then, for some reason, I start talking about other people who played the same character. And I start... <laughs> talking about like i don't know and it, it, not a lot of time was spent on i don't know it just it kind of disappointed me a little bit and 
in in retrospect, I I feel kind of you know ashamed, disappointed, and I wanted to fix that. So, the actor in question is, and you'll, I, I hate to sort of build it up like this, given everything, but the actor in question is Kevin Conroy, mm-hmm. and the movie we were talking about is Mask of the Phantasm, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, and. Again, I'm listening back to the episode, and I'm just surprised that I, I, I'm not really sending home just how important he is, and how important he is to Batman, and how important he is to the world of Batman. So I'm going to say this right now. Kevin Conroy is Batman. Like, we've had so many great interpret. I mean, on this show, we've talked about so many interpretations of batman um much to joey's dismay i'm sure but no no, they're usually good entertaining (laughs) experiences um but but your sentiment i I do i do agree with if there if there is any actor not to derail from what you're about to say if there is any actor who really gets to have that claim who is batman like it's kevin it's kevin conroy like there's there's really like you think oh well this person no there is no, there really is no, there is no, there is no argument. I mean, no, I mean, when you think about it, he probably played the part more than anyone. I mean, there might he play, he was, he was the voice of Batman for 30 years. Like you think about all the shows, all the shows, sorry, like the, the shows, the animate, the, all the movies he got to do in the C, the CW, like one of those CW crossovers. You got to, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty cool. The video games, video games. Like, here's like here's the thing. The dude got Batman. Yeah. Like, Kevin Conroy himself had a pretty intense um, childhood in certain instances. And also, uh, being a gay man very much understood what it was like to have to live a double life and and stay you know keep something hidden simply because of you know obviously the way the world was and still is to a certain extent and he understood the 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 true fundamental aspects of batman as a character the the compassion and the trauma that that character represents you know you know, I I'm, I watch episodes of the animated series, and the best ones are not necessarily just moments where Batman's fighting the villains. It's moments where he understands what the villains are going through. Like, you think of Heart of Ice mm-hmm. and how they perfectly reinterpreted Mr. Freeze as a tragic character versus the sort of, like, run-of-the-mill villain that he was always portrayed as beforehand. And, you know... You know, it, in in similar silly sort of superhero fashion, you know, Mister Freeze has Batman hanging off upside down with his feet iced to the ceiling of this warehouse that they're in, and this is after Batman had learned what happened to to Victor Freeze. And instead of like saying some sort of tough guy one liner, he just says, "I know what you're going through, and I'm sorry." And like it's it's moments like that that again really send home that this is a character that went through something so traumatic and, and, and in his own way, obviously, and you can argue 
you know, the ups and downs in this, which they do in the stories, and that's what makes them so great to a certain extent. But this is a character that understands trauma, and this is a character that understands um, that compassion should come before most anything else. And Kevin Conroy understood that tenfold mm. every time he played that character, which is why he played the character for 30 years and why he is definitively Batman in, across all mediums, really. And, you know, you, you look at the animated series, you look at Mask of the Phantasm, and then, you know, for people our age, he, he defined that character, and he defined who that character was, and to the, to the point where anyone that read a Batman comic, the first voice that comes into their head is Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Like, no one else comes into your brain when you're, when you're reading those words. And then, you know, jump to the late 2000s, early 2010s, you know, we have the Arkham games and a whole new generation is getting that opportunity to experience the, the true brilliance of his performance as that character and how my phone went off and how important that character, that interpretation of that character was. I mean, the guys making the game even said, even were like, hey, you know, who are we going to get to voice Batman for our AAA Batman game? There's only one answer. Yeah. There's effectively only one answer now obviously i feel like i have to to do this and i have to rectify this on one hand because um not long ago i, I think as of this specific recording this has been like i, th- I want to say a couple of days now yeah a little, maybe about a week or so um kevin conroy at the age of 66 passed away to cancer and I, I admittedly, I've always talked about how whenever a celebrity dies, and we've talked about we've we've talked about various celebrities who passed away on the show, and and even uh, people who were heavily associated with Batman, like when Joel Schumacher passed away, you know that was such a sudden thing, and we had to talk about it. And Joel Schumacher means a lot to me because I, you know, I grew up with his Batman movies, good or bad. I I still love Batman Forever, and I get a kick out of Batman and Robin, and. I have such a, a connection with him as a filmmaker. Um, or even going years back, you know, I remember when Robin Williams passed away, who was a colleague and a, and a classmate at Juilliard with Kevin Conroy. Um, so it's it's funny to think that Robin Williams was so close to a to an iconic, definitive Superman and an iconic, definitive Batman. Mm. You know, because he was so close with Christopher Reeve as well. Um, I remember when he passed away, that was also very impactful but i've but i guess what i'm saying is like you know i i never try to put too much because i don't know any of these people personally mm-hmm. so i i have that realistic part of my brain where i'm like you know it's sad that these people are gone but we have their work um we have ways to remember them and they'll always be cherished for who they are but it wasn't really until kevin conroy passed away that i really felt the impact of that i really felt like it wasn't just that Kevin Conroy died, Batman died. Yeah. Like like Batman is dead. And that played through my head. And so every time like cuz I started wa- I started rewatching the animated series again um and every time I heard him talk like I could not contain anything. It just was it was especially when again the 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 fate um when the character faces trauma or when the character shows compassion like again when he under when when those elements that kevin conroy understood so perfectly about batman came to the forefront in an episode it really you if you felt so different about it and i don't think i've ever had a reaction 
to like a like a death of some of someone like like a famous person's death the way I did when Kevin Conroy passed away and I'm like I feel like I lost a dad mm-hmm. because a lot of my m- moral beliefs and a lot of things that I you know take through life I learned from watching him play Batman and watching his performance on the animated series and so like this one was this was a really hard one to get through and I'm still shocked by it like I can't I can't believe he's gone you know and it really it really does like it really does feel like Batman's dead mm. like it's it's a weird thing to say and it's like in in my brain I'm like you know this doesn't make any sense but it's true you know it it's this is it's so different for me at least than and anything else and I I'm also sad I never got to meet him yeah like I like you know I've been to a few conventions and I'm sure I've had opportunities but I never and from all the stories oh my god this guy seemed like such a absolute delight like like an absolute true blue like it's one thing when you're very good at your job it's another thing when you're very good at your job and you're a good person Mm -hmm. and it's it's i don't know it's it's just really it's really hard to process and you know obviously condolences to all of his loved ones his his family friends everybody who's truly felt the impact because they because ha- they knew him and they knew him personally but also th- i gotta say thank you because 30 years of just perfectly nailing a character that means so much to me to the point where i almost feel like kevin conroy was is batman more so than say like whatever the comics were portraying like for me personally, because I never, because I grew up with the films and I grew up with the animated show before I even read a Batman comic, and so when I think of Batman, I think of him. Yeah. So it, you can tell I was a bit ashamed when I'm listening back to it, and I'm like, how have I not emphasized the importance and the true brilliance of his performance? And so I hope I fix that, and I hope I change that, and I I let everyone understand that yes. Kevin Conroy is and always will be the perfect Batman. And not only that, but, you know, we lost an incredible performer, incredible voice actor. And so that's, that's gonna, that's gonna sting for a while. But again, thank you, Kevin, for everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah. No, that, that that was a, that's a beautiful tribute. Um, Beautiful tribute, Richard. That was, um, I felt like that was in one breath, <laughs> but it needed to be said. Yeah. Ugh, oh man. Um. You know. It, yeah. It, it it just words can't even. You know what I think it is too, is like what ke- like because we t- like obviously you know there's so much going on with Mask of Phantasm as a movie. You know, it's a good mm-hmm. movie, but it also is just one of those things like you always just felt like it was just going to be around. Just kept just. Yeah. It was one of those. Yeah. It was one of those nerd like culture institutions, you know. I know for me personally, one of my favorite things, um, not that I, the, I think the movie is the greatest, but like Batman Gotham Knight, I think that was like one of the mm-hmm. first ones. It felt like one of the first movies that they did 
for that, like the DC like animated stuff, like as like the direct to DVD. I remember getting that, and mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't know much about like voice actors at that time, and I felt I'm like, wow, right. it's the it's the they got the guy, you know, and I thought that was such a cool thing, and it was one he was one of those actors that really made me appreciate the nuance of voice acting because. He talked yes. about he talked yeah. about how in that version in some of the ver- stories in there he played a younger Bruce and how he would have to change his voice for that. It's not just a straight up like okay I'm just gonna go to the voice booth and just do what I do, um, t- you know. So I guess the best way I can phrase it is to to borrow a phrase from uh, my favorite superhero. Um, he, he's the, he was the best there is at what he did, you know, like. That, uh, that there, there's, you know, he was, as you said, he was Batman. Um, did you see Adult Swim's like tribute? They, they, like their post. No. Um, no. What did they say? They said, um, "Good night, Dark Knight," and, uh, you know, I, I that one was one of the ones where I was like, <laughs> you know, like it, you felt it. Yeah. 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 Like, I was actually. Um, I watched a clip of uh, Kevin Smith on his on his YouTube channel because obviously, like, you know, Kevin got the chance to work with him on a handful of things, and he was the voice of Merman on the Masters of the Universe show that Kevin Smith did. Mm. And just hearing him talk, like the story he told. I mean, uh, you should go check it out on YouTube. Like, it, like I, I'm literally sitting there, like I'm sitting in my kitchen just waiting for something to because I'm cooking something. It's the middle of the night, and I was hungry and. I'm just hearing him talk about it, and I'm again like I'm my eyes are wet right now just thinking about everything. Yeah. But um, just t- hearing him tell the story, like he um, wanted to do a a podcast with Kevin, and uh, he sent him an email, but he he hadn't seen the email. And then Kevin texted him saying, "Did you get my email?" Like saying, "I would love nothing more than to do it," you know, because he wanted to do like a retrospective on some of the episodes of animated series that moved at least moved Kevin Smith specifically. And Ken, Kevin Conroy was like, oh, of course, I would love to do that. And he said, let's, let's hit for early 2023. And like, I think like just ke- even Kevin breaking down, man, like it, like you, f- Oh my God. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, Kevin Smith cries a lot, but I understand. Because <laughs> you know, but that, that's a it, whole other thing. It's like it's it is a whole other thing. But I also want to recommend to people. Um, there's a there's a podcast. I forget what it's called. We'll have to we'll have to look it up, and I'll see if Joey will put it in the credit in the descriptions. But um, um, it's a podcast that uh, Chrissy Carlson Romano and Will Friedle do. You know the you know Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable. Yeah. Um, but also Will Friedle, uh Terry McGinnis from Batman Beyond, um, and they do a whole podcast about voice acting. And same with you, like I think through Kevin Conroy and also like all these other incredible voice act uh, actors who played a lot of these, especially DC superheroes. Like I think of Tim Daly as well in that regard. But like, there's an episode where uh, they where Kevin Conroy was on and they're talking about, uh, you know, their time doing Batman beyond, but also his time as Batman and some of the other performances he's given. I highly, I listened to the whole thing and I highly recommend that you go and check that out and just hear again, you, you hear about the compassion and love he has for the character, but also the love he has for 
his job and the people he's worked with and the admiration he, he has for all those great people. So I go check that out. If you, if you have a second, it's well worth a listen. Um, I just, I also have to bring up one of my other favorite, uh, Kevin Conroy memories. I think it was like Emerald city con or whatever. They had a whole panel of voice actors and they were reading the script for a new hope. And Kevin Conroy through the whole thing, read it as, uh, as Batman. So he's like the Death Star, <laughs> and you ha- and you have like like bu- bubbles from Powerpuff Girls as Darth Vader sometimes, and like Jake, the, oh, Jake the my Dog as Princess Leia. Uh, like it was, but it was so nice just to have consistently like and Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, with that incredible, <laughs> that incredible voice of his. Oh man, um, it, it really is just like yeah. Thanks for the memories and and just this. You, you really said you. I can't really top what you said. And not 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 the matter of topping, but it's just right. like, you know, it's really a beautiful tribute, Richard. I, it, it's thank you, I appreciate that. But it again, it needed to be said. I needed to fix that because he is genuinely that important to me. Like, and you don't realize, and they say it all the time, like you don't realize how important someone is till they're gone. Yeah. And like I remember, because it was the post in the group, I think that Feehan posted. And initially I was, cause I just saw his picture and I was like, okay, maybe there's something involving him, but then it was black and white. And so I took a second look and I, 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 it wasn't even one of those like, no, like, cause sometimes, you know, someone that you admire for their work passes and you're like, oh no. Yeah. Like it was literally like, I, I had nothing. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure out how to react because again, like you were saying, you don't, you like you just you just don't think about you know the fact that you know one day people someone's gonna die mm-hmm. you don't think about it you're just comfortable with the notion that this person's always been around and feels like though especially because he, he 30 years playing this character defining this character for 30 years for so many people mm-hmm. and you're hard pressed to imagine that at any point he would have ever passed away yeah. like he seems he seems that important and that like much of a staple that you're not thinking about that but then once it happens you feel it and i still i still haven't processed it fully if i'm being honest like i'm like it feels weird i feel like it's weird to say i'm in mourning but i am but (laughs) yeah i mean you know i mean especially especially for you i mean it's like it's a huge it's a huge loss you know um Mm -hmm. but you know Again, we just emphasize again, you know, obviously condolences to all his loved ones. Um, you know, of course, all the people he's worked he's worked with, especially the you know DC, all the DC people. I love the um, mm-hmm. the post that Tim Daly made. Um, that was um, that that was one of the points where I was just like, oh god, like that that mm-hmm. one that one really I, hit me. <laughs> the one Tim Daly posted was fantastic and i love that because he had that daily show thing that he did with his with his son yes excuse me and so many funny episodes but my favorite one is the one with kevin conroy yeah mm-hmm. just like it's so good and the two of them together is a match made in heaven yeah. honestly and then even seeing what mark hamill had to say what will Friedle had to say susan susan eisenberg you know rest it, wholeheartedly Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Thank you again for everything that you've that you've done, and 
you mean a lot to so many people, myself included. <sighs> but anyway, so this is always weird to transition, especially with this one. But I do really want I am very excited about this episode because um, this is a this is a part two, if you will, in our exploration of another person we we admire dearly and that is robert rodriguez Mm -hmm. yes um the first episode if you want to listen to it is uh was it spy kids and desperado kids desperado thank you Mm -hmm. how did i forget that um but yes uh desperado kids um go listen to that episode that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun just to watch that Honestly, yeah, I, you know what? And I was actually re-listening to that one the other day, and I think that's a really like, we talk about a number of episodes. I think that's really I think we should really be proud of that one. That was a fun, really fun episode and a fun pairing. I pat myself on the back for that one for yeah. sure, honestly. Mm-hmm. But um, we're continuing that because sort of the link for all of these two is we're talking about the Spy Kids movies, and we have a third episode planned, so which I'm very excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Um. So for this one, we got another Spy Kids, uh, Robert Rodriguez pairing. But Joey, uh, to start the, start off this episode, what is our first feature today? Oh, wh- where, man, hold on. Where do we begin? I just want to make sure I get the year right for this thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it just seems weird. I'm reading it like this. We are talking about the 2002. This thing's 20 years old. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a kid anymore. Six twenty years old. Uh, Two thousand two um, film, Spy Kids Two: The Island of Lost Dreams. Alavala. <laughs> oh my goodness, dude! I don't. I can't remember. I mean, I I talk about. I mean, I don't want to say I talk about this movie all the time, but whenever anybody mentions it, I'm like, that's a good movie. I really, I really love that movie. <laughs> But I haven't seen it in like 15 years. Which is so surprising to think, especially after you watch it and how like it feels like quintessential Joey. Yes. Like 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 you gotta list like listing the factors, it's got Antonio Banderas, one. Ricardo Montalban, two. It's got a secret island led by a, a mad scientist played by Steve Buscemi, three. The movie starts off at a theme park run by Bill Paxton, four. <laughs> five like, the creatures feel like ray harryhausen monsters the, like there's there's even a skeleton fight scene like in uh argonauts argonauts so. and also seventh voyage seventh voyage like it's like <laughs> i for, completely forgot about the skeletons too but oh my oh, there's so much going on in this movie and it's there's uh, a indiana jones reference yes six six <laughs> <laughs> Oh. This movie has everything you could want in a, in, especially if your name is Joey DeAngelis. Yes, <laughs> this movie has everything you could want. Robert Rodriguez made this specifically for twenty-nine-year-old me uh, to go visit, <laughs> or even just like any age, really. You'll be you'll be actually eighty and still watching this movie. No, yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously, like the first Spy Kids was a pretty sizable hit. Um, hmm. I'm just gonna double check the the again. I like talking about the box office. Um, it made almost 150 million worldwide on a budget of 35 million dollars, which is really respectable. You know, it's not like like these movies are not like you know the most extravagant, but they always put their best like effort into everything, and they were so creative. Um, oh yeah, 
And actually, that was one of the things Robert Rodriguez pointed out was like, like the second movie, there's a lot more going on, but the budget isn't that much bigger. Like the first one mm-hmm. is 35. The second movie is $38 million. Um, and when, and that's amazing when you consider all the creatures and all like the set, all the crazy locations that you see in this movie. Um, like it's a really economical franchise. Uh, <laughs> and, and in, in, in a way, too, it also sort of kicked off this... Because, th- like, Robert Rodriguez has made more than just Spy Kids as far as kids' movies. But every single one of them is sort of like he goes up to his kids and says, Hey, what would you like to see as a movie? And they say, Oh, let's do this. Or, Oh, let's do that. Or they kind of... Like, it's sort of like a consensual version of what uh, Christopher Robin's dad did uh, for... Um, Woody the Pooh. Woody the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Um where it's just Robert Rodriguez going, hey, you know, I want to make a movie, but I want I want you guys to come up with it. What would you guys do for this movie? And they're like, oh, what if we have, um, oh, two superheroes. One of them's like a part half shark. One of them's like lava. Like, done. <laughs> and can we get Uncle George Lopez in it? Yes. <laughs> of course he's in it. Yeah. Um, um, no, but, but that's... It, like, I... It's kind of like, yeah, like a whole, like... It feels like a like a whole like subgenre of Robert Rodriguez movies is his kids movies. It's kids movies, but they like sometimes people talk about like there's like anime like family movies or like like there's animated movies out there that are like it feels like they're more geared towards adults so they don't get bored. Mm-hmm. And I watch this movie and I go, this is a movie made for kids. Um, so like that obviously what you were just saying like about Robert Robert Rodriguez talking to his kids that really comes across in this because. There, there isn't, like, it, it isn't, you know, obviously Robert Rodriguez has his own, like, tastes and sensibilities that are incorporated in the movie, but I, I never once feel like it's being, like, compromised for, like, a child-like viewer. Like, there's like there's not many, there's not too many jokes that are, like, go over, like, there's always animated movies where it's like, oh, you, you didn't catch that when you were a kid, did you? Yeah, right. And like there, there's some, there might be some, but here it's it's not really caught up in that. It's caught up like okay, you have the brother and sister, and they're like the brother is framed, and then they have to go on this mission, and there's an island, and, and it's more concerned with just the, just the fun stuff. Like it, it's yeah, I think we we were saying this too. This movie has the energy of an old Mc, like you know McDonald's commercial. Like with like right. all the zany like elements, it's so <laughs> they're so colorful, well, you, they're so fun. You were gonna say you, sorry, no, no, you're fine. Um, you you were comparing it. I thought this was an apt comparison. Um, so rewind the clock a little bit. Some of you might know what we're talking about, but back in the day, um, McDonald's had teamed up with the same guys that did um a lot of like early Nickelodeon shows, like. Uh, Wild Thornberries, um, Rugrats, Rocket Power, yes. and of course, yes, most famously, Rugrats. Um, and so they teamed up with them, and they released like I want to say four or so VHS uh, tapes that you can get at McDonald's. And essentially, uh, these were animated movies that had like a live action intro, like bookends, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, there were adventures that the McDonald's characters would go on. Like the one I think of the most is the one where 
uh, Ronald, Grimace, the Hamburglar, like the Fry Kids, and then some like random girl that was like their friend or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were going on a camping trip, but the the forest they were in was haunted, and there, there was a house that was further away that was haunted, and it was a ghost that would tell them riddles and say, you know, what is this? And then if you got the riddle wrong, you got like Willy Wonka or something. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, like right. something happened to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, there was a dog. I remember, like, Ronald had a pet dog yes. that sounded like this. Yes. <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> and when you compared it to that, I was like, oh my god, that's so perfect. Like, that's such a perfect comparison. Um, but And it's funny, too, because there is a McDonald's product placement in both the first and in this one. Yes. <laughs> But no, it's like 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 you look at all the gadgets, especially, and like I'm pretty sure all of them were McDonald's toys. Like I think the little like Ralph, the little like spider yeah. beetle oh, like thing. I, I'm pretty sure that was a McDonald's toy. That would that would make a lot of sense, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, that would make a lot of like this whole thing. It just it, it like like you were saying, it's like the uh, McDonald's like play pa- playhouse, but like clean. <laughs> if someone bothered to clean the play place, the play place, yes. Um, <laughs> but like you know it's just it's just so fun like like and and the adults know what kind of move uh, what kind of movie this is too and they're so fun like Antonio Banderas who is like let's let's be ah. like he's one of the sexiest star like especially in this era I mean, he's always sexy but like especially this era Antonio Banderas you're like wow what a beefcake right and then <laughs> he's like there's the scene where his hair goes like ah! and he's willing to be like a goof- <laughs> he's willing to be a goofball and his his, so his fight scene, his fight scene with Mike Judge, <laughs> <laughs> like like people people like it made me think of like when when um was it Ford versus Ferrari came out? Yeah, and there was that scene between Christian Bale and Matt Damon. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty funny watching like like middle aged dudes fight, even though they don't know how to fight. What's funnier though <laughs> is two middle-aged dudes who were supposed to be super spies <laughs> when they fight <laughs> and everyone's like kick 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 him in the butt or kick his butt and then they just decide we're actually gonna kick him in the butt <laughs> it's it, it's it's so much fun um like uh, like but i also like too that like the, the kids are like the kids have uh, it's like a fantasy for kids where you're like wow we get to save get to save the world you know, we get to show show up the adults basically, like you know, oh, kids yeah. rule kind of kind of movie, um, which oh yeah, it, it, it's it's so again when the hands of Robert Rodriguez, it's so well done. Um, there, there's so much like with this. I, I think what I I think so, I love about you were gonna say sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say like let's 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 kind of illustrate the premise a little bit so we yeah. so we have like a baseline so. The essential gist of this one is like this is at, this is set a little bit after the first one and Carmen and Junie, um, uh, Alexa Vega and or is isn't it Alexa Vega P, uh, Pina Pena? I hope I'm pronouncing that right because I know she's married now. Pena Pena Vega. Pena Vega. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Daryl Sabara, um, uh, Carmen and Junie Cortez. Yes. Um, they're now level two spies of a whole new division of the OSS, the OSS Junior. <laughs> and I love that it even, like, you look at the building, it's just a big colorful building. It says OSS, then Junior, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like written like a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And uh, there's this thing called the Transmooker device, which sounds like such a crazy name, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And so, b- basically, this thing is is like, uh, how would you describe it? It's like the 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 thing that controls technology in the world, or it can control technology in the world. Yeah. And so, uh, Carmen and Juni uh, go on this assignment after Junie's been framed, uh, because he, he's, listen, Junie's got it rough in this one. He you does. Know, Cause he's, he's, he's trying his best. And then there's Gary and Gertie, who's like the, the evil spy kids, quote the, unquote, the evil. rivals, the rivals. Um, Gary's like, like always showing up Junie and Carmen's got a crush on Gary. So it's just, a, it's just like, it, I think as a kid, especially as a kid who loved Pokemon, it made me hate Gary's <laughs> more. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if you know Pokemon, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like uh, the whole time, like he's just doing shit just to try to like look cool. And Junie's like, "It's not about looking cool. It's about doing your job." <laughs> oh my god! So. Basically, what happens? Like, I, I'm a little all over the place. With he this, gets but basically framed. What, he gets framed. He gets framed. Yeah. So he, he gets he he, he gets yeah. kicked out of the service. You know, he's no longer the spy of the year. Like, it's a fall from grace. It's not his fault. You know, obviously, no. it's like and the circumstances around there are like really. And you're like, whatever, fine. We we don't have enough time to like really dwell on that. We we got to move on. We got to clear your name. Got to clear your name, buddy. And uh, oh yeah, we gotta fig- we gotta figure this out. Uh, Carmen, being the hacker and computer genius that she is, decides you know what I'm gonna help. Um, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna reinstate Junie. We're gonna give us the uh, big mission uh, of the film, the Yukata assignment, and we're gonna go do this, and we're gonna clear your name, and we're gonna fix everything. So they get, so basically they get to this island. This is the island of Lost Dreams, basically. And it's this mysterious island. It's very Skull Island situation. It's off the radars. No one can find it. Hell, anyone with any sort of technology that gets close to it, the technology stops working. Yep. So Carmen and Juni, all they have are their wits, each other, and the Machete Elastic Wonder. (laughs) The greatest gadget in the world. 999 uses, and you got to figure them out. (laughs) Use using your head, yes. your noodle. Yep. Um, so they get to this island and they learn that this island um, not only is the home for this transmuger device thing that people seem to be after, and we learn later it's actually the head of the OSS that's after it, um, played by Mike Judge, aka Beavis and Butthead, as well as Hank Hill from King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, he also made he also created all those shows. I love Mike Judge. Anyway, so. <laughs> so um, I lost my train of thought. Um, so they get to the island and they learn that the island is filled with all these ex- like crazy monster like creatures, not monsters necessarily, but like creatures, and they're made by this guy named Romero, who's played by Steve Buscemi. And uh, his whole uh, and again this whole like kind of backstory just is like makes me think of like a kid clearly made this, and it makes me love it so much more. Yeah. Um. So, like, his whole backstory is that he wanted to make a miniature zoo. 
so that kids can have the experience of owning a zoo, basically the Matt Damon experience, without, you know, having big animals. Yes. So he was trying to make small animals. Um, and so he succeeded at that. He did a very good job. Like, good job. You made small animals. Mm-hmm. But now he wants to... But um, then something happens and uh, some things get mixed around. And now he's got a second zoo and this one has different animals. Like, there's a catfish, which is a, a, a cat and a fish combined. Not yep. like a catfish, but like a catfish. There's a tiger shark, which is a tiger with the head of a shark. There's a spider monkey. There's a flying pig. All types of fun stuff. Um, bullfrog, uh, which is, I believe, a bulldog and a frog. I think that was there as well. Um, or no, it was actually no, it was a bull, like an actual bull. Oh, sorry, yeah. not yeah, a bulldog. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, bull. Slizzard. The slizzard, which is like, a, I guess, like a snake and a lizard mm-hmm. combined. Yeah. Um, though I love that he called the flying pig Sporks. <laughs> I thought that was a cool name. Um, but then like he goes, I wanted to make, I wanted to do another zoo, but I wanted to, I wanted to make them a little bit bigger for kids with big hands. Meaty hands. And I gotta say, for meaty hand kids, and I gotta say as someone with fat hands, thank you. I appreciate you thinking about us. <laughs> You know, that's what I love about um, these movies is like characters that you would think would be like the villains. They ha- they they're really just good. They're just good people, just misunderstood. Like you have like Floop, <laughs> like <laughs> Floop, who's just like I just want to make my show and have a good time. And then Romero's like I just want to make animals for kids with meaty hands. <laughs> like it's like they're just misunderstood, and the villain is just some other like person. You know, it's the dude. It's the people with power. It's like yeah. the it's like the suits, and I respect that because suits are the real villains. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's true. Um, but this movie has so many like, obviously, all the gadgets um, are a lot of fun. There's just like there's so much imagination on display, but there's also like a lot of like there's a lot of sets we were no- we were noticing and and miniature work. Um, actually, yeah. in this movie, and um, again, I I know I mentioned this in the last one, but you really have to watch like if you're interested in like filmmaking, you really have to watch Robert Rodriguez's like ten minute film schools that he that he did for for his bunch of his movies. Um, mm-hmm. And he talks about one of my favorite things that is like obviously a lot of it is about being economical and like saving money, and you know the rocks like this like the the set with like the volcano like like where it has like the holograms on it and all that yeah. Um, he said they only built three rocks and they just moved the rocks when, depending on the shot and it saved them. They say it, it was, it would have been eight times more expensive had they built all the rocks. Um, this is why, this is why I love him and, (laughs) uh, he knows and the set, um, where Antonio Banderas and Carl Cuccino were like on their, like, like under submarine, like spy ship or whatever. He only built one Mm -hmm. of that set and he just used it twice. I always remember that because they showed uh, they showed that in my TV productions class in um, in high school, and it really just shows you like, oh yeah, there's ways to like just really just save money. <laughs> there's no reason. There's to- ways to. Save- <laughs> I mean, I think this is going to be a, a sentiment. I, I'm sure we said it in the last Rob Rodriguez episode, but as further as more as we continue his uh, through his his movies further, it, it needs to be stressed every single time that. Robert Rodriguez is one of those people that fully believes that anyone can make a movie. Yeah. 
And he does it by proving it every time he makes a movie. Because outside of, I think, Alita, which is probably the only big budget movie he's ever done, everything, every movie he's ever done has always had some sort of a modest budget. Yeah. And every single one of those movies he's made with his friends, he's made with people he admires. I mean, hell, we'll, and we'll talk about this when we, when we get to the movie, but when he was doing Sin City... You know, he was part of he was part of the Directors Guild of America, but then he wanted Frank Miller to get a co a co credit as director, and they told him no because I think with the DGA you have to be right, uh, like it's it's part of the thing that you it, you can only get like sole credit Guild if you want him to remain. The, so he said, "I'm out." Right, and uh, Frank Miller got to have credit. And he even got to put, like, with special guest director Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. Which, not that he's, like, officially credited in any way, but at the same time, like, I feel like that's also kind of a nice add-on there. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, too, he always talks about is, like, like he ha wears so many hats on his movies, too. Like, yes. I think he was talking about this with Spy Kids, too. He was the production designer. for He was one of the production designers for that movie. And it was important, so that way... He could ensure that there was somebody who was there from the start till the end of production to make sure that, okay, I know what these, this set is going to look like. I know what I can do. Now I'm able to see it through in post-production, you know. Um, so it's it's honestly kind of, it's he really is just like, in a lot of ways, like obviously it still takes a lot of people to make these things happen, of course. Like the visual effects artists, you know, and, and all that. Everybody works on a film. But like, he wears a lot of hats. He does a lot. He edits He's the cinematogra cinematographer, mm -hmm. the director, the music. writer. Music, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. also, like, I appreciate the music because in several places I'm like, this is Johnny Quest. This is Johnny Quest. <laughs> 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 and even, like, again, like, he... and there, there, there never seems to be, like, a barrier necessarily for anything. Like, you know, I think about how... You know, he, he might do the score for, like, a particular movie he's working on, but then he'll be like, hey, uh, Danny, Danny Elfman, what's up, it's Robert Rodriguez, do you want to make, like, a little, like, a little song for the movie, or, like, have a little bit, and Danny's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do the floop song, yeah, which gets, like, covered by, uh, Carmen Cortez later in the movie, in that little fun music video in the credits, yeah, um, like, he he just he he clearly loves what he's doing and that i think no matter what the budget no matter what the situation like when you love what you're doing it'll show on screen yeah and it'll make the experience that much better and i think that's something we've at, we've talked about a lot in the show as well and there's is clearly like you see rob rodriguez work and he clearly loves what he's doing like even in recent years you know he's like he worked on the boba fett show like you could tell like He's having a good time making that thing. Mm-hmm. And with this one, like, you know, he's got all like he's got all of his favorite people. He's got Antonio Banderas, Carlo Gigino, Ricardo Montalban. He's got the he's got the spy kids with him. He's got Mike Judge. Yep. You know, he's got Steve Buscemi, who he loves to work with. Like, this is this is like the epitome of like playing a game, like playing make believe with your friends. Yeah. And you know, like, Joey and I were sitting here, we're watching this movie, clearly, like, we're probably not the demo. maybe we are kind of the demographic, I know Joey is to a certain extent, <laughs> but arguably speaking, we're probably not the demographic for this movie, but we're sitting there, we're having the best time of our lives, 
with how ridiculous and silly and how fun this movie is. Like, like movies don't have the, the kind of balls this movie has to just be goofy and just be like, we're going to be for kids. We're just going to have fun. You know, we're not going to worry about like eight different things. And people might look at it and go, I, I feel like I'm ranting and I apologize, <laughs> but people are going to be like, you know, oh, you know, blah, this, blah, that, you know, they need to have something for everybody. It's like, who cares? Yeah. We're having fun. Yeah. You know, as no. long as you're, it's like, it's like why parents tolerate their kids watching like Peppa Pig or like Paw Patrol or something. It's like <laughs> their kids are having a great time. And you know what? Maybe the parents are enjoying Peppa Pig. Listen, that Peppa Pig, have you seen the Peppa Pig like theme park? Anyway. No, is there a Peppa Pig theme park? Oh, dude, I gotta show you the video uh, later. It is actually, like, legitimately oh really... It's actually really cool, honestly. <laughs> oh my god. Where is I'm, it? I'm, Where I'm, is I'm, this Peppa it's, it's in Florida. I think it's in uh, Legoland in Florida. Um, I know Tim Tracker uh, and, did... He did a press tour. And he brought his ki- he brought his son with him, and... what? How long has this been a thing? Uh, not long. Not long. I think it's, like, a couple months old uh, at this point. Oh, Okay, because I was about to say, like, you decided you wanted to go to Universal as well as Disney last year, <laughs> when we could have went to Peppa Pig Land. <laughs> like, I'm like, like if you're like a Peppa Pig fan, it's like Mecca. It looks like Mecca. It looks like the best place. Oh my god! They have, no, but they have I like themed, go. They have <laughs> themed like... food. Dude, they have like themed food. Like this is intended for like preschoolers and like kids. But it's like, wow, this is so uh, well here's, done. Okay. Here's a weird question. Do they have not to continue on the Peppa Pig thing, sure, but the, sure. do they have do they have bacon or like pork at this place? I don't know, but I know they have like themed food like that that So I was gonna say like, that would feel a little weird to go to Peppa Pig land and eat like pork. Oh or no. some sort of... <laughs> Are we eating Peppa Pig? Ah <laughs> Yummy <laughs> Um, I get bacon on my hamburger. Do you know where you are right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to mention. Obviously, we talked about Ricardo Montalban, uh, Holland Taylor. I also want to recognize too as the grandparent. Like, the grandparents, they are so funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, they're this. so good. I, I still, I still love like after the bit when uh, uh, Antonio Banderas's hair pops and he's like ah, and he looks over. She's like, and Carlos Junior's like, what is it? He's like, your mother, and it's just her, just going. Like through this like magnetic like like magnified lens or yeah. whatever, her just making a big old smile like <laughs> it's me. And but like I, on that note, I do love her as well. Like because I remember we were watching George of the Jungle. Yes, uh, <laughs> when we were at Disney, and she's so funny at that. No, no, she's really good. Um, and dude, Ricardo Montalban, like he's he's in, he's into it. Like he plays it so well. Um. And, like, I was actually, I was watching, not to get ahead of, like, to Spy Kids 3, because he also plays a big role in Spy Kids 3D. And, mm. like, like um, Robert Rodriguez was talking about how, like, how, like, like Ricardo Montalban's in a wheelchair, but he's so majestic. And, like, you still feel, like, his, like, strength. And you're like, oh, man, like, this dude really carries himself in, in such a way where you're just like, Wow. Like, it's crazy, because, like, you're watching the movie, and you fully believe that he is probably that committed to being someone's grandpa. Yeah. Like, his actual grandkids are probably, like, the best, most well-taken-care-of kids. <laughs> when, you're, when, you're seeing, when you're seeing his performance in this movie, you're like, man. Ugh. 
man. You, you understand why Judy was like, Grandpa! And like ran to him. Judy! <laughs> Judy! <laughs> but but watching this movie, and you could we could take this out if you want, but watching this movie, I'm like, Juni Cortez is Richard Purnell. Um, <laughs> uh, like... You know I, what? I I do I I kind of agree with this statement, but I I want you to elaborate still. Like so, I, I, like I explain it to me. There are parallels, okay? And if these parallels go too far, we can take them out. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm ready for it. Like th- this guy, he this child was picked picked on at some point. Well, I mean, a lot of kids are bullied, so it's not a that doesn't really like diminish it much. Pick, picked on a child. You're a younger. You are a younger sibling. Uh, I don't know if, it, if people yes. know this, because um, yes, I have am an the older, baby. You have an older sister, okay, like uh, mm. Junie does, and I feel like the way he Junie is treated in a number of these situations, I'm like Richard. I just feel like, other than the fact that Richard, I don't think it was ever a spy. I feel like he's somehow ended up in a lot of these situations. Well, if I if I, I couldn't tell you if I was honestly, let's be well, honest. that's 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 true too. <laughs> that's true too. <laughs> like, um, like 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 legitimately speaking, if I was a spy, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> like I could never relate to Junie in that way because I'm an older sibling. Like yes, you know, so so you are Carmen. I'm I'm more I'm more I'm more in common with Carmen. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it, it was it, it was just I was like watching some like oh my, and especially thinking about the first movie too. Where he's just like uh-huh. he's day, he's daydreaming. I'm like, oh god, he's watching flute. I'm like, <laughs> just replace Batman with Alan Cumming, Richard. This is it. Listen, this is it. Uh, I'm down. Just <laughs> like th- that's it. Uh, you know, I I ju- I just felt I felt um a connection with Steve Buscemi's character. Honestly, uh, <laughs> as a guy who just has his monsters, yeah. uh, he just wants to stay in his cave. <laughs> but like at the same time you know I, it makes me think the only reason you're staying in the man cave is because uh you don't want the figures to like try to kill you yes something. yes this is true this is true <laughs> like all the stuff in the man cave with you is like the normal things but up in your bedroom with Ooh. like some of the stuff you have up there like that stuff's gonna kill you it's gonna kill me. <laughs> uh, like you got a bear up there <laughs> yes watch out watch out um but dude, like, I want to go like the Ray Harryhausen influence. Like, obviously these are CG mon- CG creatures, but like the way that they're rendered and the way that they move feels like stop motion mm-hmm. animation. Like, I think about especially the spider monkey and the slizzard and the skeletons. They feel especially like something that would be out of Seventh Voyage of Sinbad or um, Jason yeah. Argonauts. Like even and, the way they're lit too, I think. Like I, I think like like the way they're moving, even just the, like the the way that the light hits them almost feels like like it is like a separate inanimate object. Like they intentionally gave it that sort of puppet feel. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's realistic, but that's kind of the point. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Um. It's a larger than it gives them a larger than life presence, and the fights the fight with the spider monkey versus the slizzard is genuinely pretty cool fight. Honestly. It's a pretty cool fight. I even love like the like sea monster. Like there's mm. a random sea monster. It's the yeah. only time we see it, but it's great that it's there. It's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. You know the skeleton fight's a lot of fun. Um, I I, I love to think in my head that like Robert Rodriguez is just going, "All right, Daryl, swing it around. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we, we'll we'll fix it later." Just well, that's it. well, that was his thing. Like was like, okay, I gave him a very simple fight choreography to work off of basically mm-hmm. you know that was his 
um, again, he says this in the 10-minute film school, um, talking about that specifically with the skeleton fight, and it's just a, base, a basic choreography. That way, you know, again, just makes it also easier on your special effects artists, too, working that, on this. And, thing. like, kids. And kids, yep, absolutely. Just give the direction mm-hmm. to the kids. Um, you know, and, yeah, it's just it's just a fun, like, it's a fun kids adventure movie which is something that I feel like can be so hard to do. Um, like I watched, for whatever reason, we wa- I watched the, the the recent Dora movie, which isn't bad, honestly. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's, it's not that bad. It's not bad, but I look at that and I go, in the right hands, this could be better. Like mm-hmm. it's, and I give them a lot of credit for making it as decent as it is. Like this is no knock on Dora. But I think it's mm. also just more of a sign of, like, what kids' movies... Like, because like, I feel like there's not... Like, there are kids' movies, but I feel like they're more relegated to, like, streaming stuff. Yeah, like, when I think of modern kids' movies, like, it's... it's You know, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Disney, admittedly. And I think of, like, all the animated stuff that they but do. Even but even then, like, a lot of the animated stuff they do, I don't feel like is really targeted at kids so much. It feels no. like it's more... Disney has that mindset, especially these days, that it's like we want to make things for everybody. The four quadrants. Like we want ev- we want everybody to be able to watch this, and it, and to many respects, it's almost like a detriment, like because you know some people aren't very nice, so they're like, oh, but we want everybody to watch this. Like even like the shitty people, do they got money? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> But, no, it's like, that's kind of, like, their mindset. Not to say that, you know, all the movies, like, because they, they've made, a, I like a lot of the Disney movies that have come out in recent years, but um, at the same time, like, it's hard to imagine, like, a movie that feels like it's in the same ballpark, like a kid's movie that's in the same ballpark as, like, Spy Kids or, like, the Robert Rodriguez movies. Yeah. Yeah, because um, what came out not that long ago, Lyle, Lyle Crocodile came out not that long ago. And I feel like family, yeah. like mo- kids going to the movies now is like seeing a superhero movie, or seeing like yeah, a, it's, like a Star Wars. It's a Marvel movie, movie. like and yeah. and again, I'm not saying Marvel movies can't be like for kids, but I feel like the, they're more generated at a teen or older like audience, basically. Whereas, that's kind of that's like what I felt about like I think Thor: Love and Thunder is the closest in my brain that felt like like okay, this might actually specifically be for kids. It does have that. It does kind of have that energy. I will agree with you. I remember when you when you yeah. first said that to me, and I'm like, yeah, I, I could, that definitely tracks. Um, even though there's are some darker moments, it's yes. I think overall yes, just like the the vibes in a lot of areas. Um, like there are just a lot of fun, like yeah, kids, you know, mm-hmm. moments. And uh, again, like I feel like the the Spy Kids trilogy, like, are, and there's also more too. But like as far as these first mm-hmm. three, because that's really the main focus of what we, we talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just feels like such a weird thing that happened. And yet I remember them being these big, a big deal when we were kids, like huge, but then it's just like, no one really like, it's strange. Cause I, I think, you know what I think it was? I think it's just cause like, you know, when Robert, cause like Robert Rodriguez, I don't feel like people talk about him enough period. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah. And, you know, these days he's, he's worked a lot on so many different things, but, um, I think people like have that sort of mindset of like the spy kids t- 
type of movie. Like they think of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, or they think of that movie Shorts that Robert Rodriguez did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sort of just like, well, you know, we don't, you know, eh. Like I think people just got tired of it, and so then it just kind of got pushed away or something, and that kind of bums me out a little bit because I'm like, yeah. there's there's something there's something kind of special about. I think these types of movies and what they do and what, what Robert Rodriguez did with them. And they, they, and especially, um, I, I especially love this one, honestly, like that first one's great. And, um, game over, uh, we talk about all the time. Game over (laughs) specifically is is, is a fun movie. It's such a fun movie. Um, and it still surprises me to this day that you didn't see that in theaters. Because I would have figured you'd have seen that one in theaters. Yeah, no, I just, I just didn't. I missed it. Um, yeah. But this one, I think, like looking back on this one, I think this is probably the best one. It, like, it, it just has all the elements that you want. It's got a fun story. You love all the characters, all the performances. Everybody's come to play, and I mean everybody. Even Bill Paxton, who's got a bit part in the film. He's here to play. Dinky Winks. And he's having s- <laughs> Dinky Winks with his trouble. Ma- oh, and I got to bring up, too. Yeah. Uh, I, so, like, mm-hmm. you know, in so many movies, like, they'll say the title and then the credits will roll. Like, Joey like Joey and I dro- joke about this all the time. Um, how, like, like, they'll say the title of their movie that they're in and then we'll go, credits! Roll credits! End of the movie. They said the title. This is... I feel like this is the first time I'm watching a movie... Where uh, they put that same sort of energy and emphasis on the production logo. <laughs> the Troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> the Troublemaker logo, the uh, Robert Rodriguez's company. Because, like, the theme park is is Troublemaker-themed, which was such a weird thing to see. Like, it made me think of, like, what if New Line Cinema had a theme park? <laughs> and, like, one of the roller coasters looks like, like, the edge of a film reel. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Legend- legendary, uh, legendary Pictures Park. <laughs> and the, the, the logo is a maze or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just funny to think that they, they, they incorporated that. And then at one point, Bill Paxton just looks up and goes, Well, aren't you a little troublemaker? <laughs> I'm like, Credits! <laughs> yeah. Um, great movie, though. I think we both can agree. It's a lot of fun, ton of fun. Oh, yeah. if, you have, if you have kids, I'd watch these movies. Watch these movies with your kids. They're so much fun, you know. Like if you if you're willing to just have a good time and get silly with the kids, yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's great for that. And they'll have so fun. They'll have so much fun watching it. The fact that they all the gadgets are toys basically makes it that yeah. much more fun. I love. I still love that. There's like that gun that's like one of those whirly things you can get in the theme park. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the the adults pull it and the adults pull it out with such seriousness, and you respect it so much. It's such a fun time. You guys got to watch it. Well, with that said, we are going to take a brief, uh, brief intermission. When we come back. We're going to talk about something intense. We're going to talk about. Going to talk about. Daryl Sabana's Sabara. <laughs> I messed up his name. His bandana in Machete. Machete. Stay tuned, Sabara.
And we are back. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Tonight, we are... I, I was I, I, I was trying to do the trailer voice, and it sort of left me a little bit. <laughs> it took me It took me a second, and I'm like, that. ironically enough, it might be the most reserved, and we're back. <laughs> I think I've heard from it, you in quite some time. It oddly, it oddly is, but I was trying... Because, like, you know, the movie we were talking about, like, set up, double-crossed. And left for dead. <laughs> Welcome back, <laughs> everybody, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we were talking about uh, the second film in the in the Two Dudes Celebrated series, Spy Kids, <laughs> or at least the trilogy. I, I I fully admit I haven't seen any of the new ones. I think there's two more. After I think it's four and a four. I think they're supposed to be making an animated series at some point, which honestly would make a lot of sense for that property. But you know, it's kind of weird though. I feel like it, it would make a lot of sense, but I feel like a lot of the charm is the fact that it's a live action thing that feels like a cartoon. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. And so it's like you're wa- like you're watching the cartoon. You're like, yeah, this makes sense. Anyway, I'm gonna watch <laughs> Island of Lost Dream. But we're not talking about Island of Lost Dreams anymore. No. No, no, no. No, in fact, we're uh, talking about some nightmares. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Today, we are talking about... Joseph, what film are we talking about today? I'm going to do the most epic voice possible. We are talking about (laughs) Robert Rodriguez's... Machete! You did it! Good job! There was another guy involved in the production of this film as the co-director. Even though it says Robert Rodriguez's Machete. Keep going. Keep going. Don't... No, keep keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going! Are you okay? No. Are we ever... (laughs) Like no, yes, like 106 episodes. Are we really going to be asking these questions now at this point? Really? Mm. This is why we ask how you're doing. Because if we ask, are you okay? It's we already know the answer to that question every single time. All right, machete. (laughs) I will say it's like every time I go to work. Sorry, it's like every time I go to work and someone's like, "How you doing today?" I'm like, "While I'm at work." Like, uh, what do you, um, Richard's like, hashtag, I do not dream of labor. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I, I try not to be a dick when I say it, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm at work. So, you know, I, instead of just going like, I'm at work. What do you think? Oh, dude, I want a version of clerks, but it's you in the movie. I would working at a movie. <laughs> I would thrive. That would be. <laughs> that would be. That would be so good. And then, good. well, what happened is you would make a multi-million-dollar franchise around it. You'd make your own comic book shop in Ohio that nobody would be able to access because you're always filming your own comic book show there. <laughs> that would run for several seasons. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I listen. I'd be okay with that. No, honestly, <laughs> listen, listen, Kevin Smith, that's pretty good. 
<laughs> he's got he's doing pretty well for himself. I actually call not to keep harping on this, but I have I remember one time I heard about the the secret stash and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna call them. I don't live in New Jersey, but I'm gonna call them and just be like, Do you guys have this? Mm-hmm. And, and so I called and um Walt Flanagan answered the phone. Okay. And he was nice. Nice. He was nice. I was like, I was like, do you guys have this issue of Batman? They're like, actually, we don't have it at the moment. I'm sorry. And it's like, that's okay. Have a good day. Yeah. But no. I knew it was Walt. His voice is very, is very familiar. But right. yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember. But anyway. Um, oh, sorry. No. no, I remember. Sorry. Going over Kevin Smith. We never <laughs> talk about Kevin Smith film on this show. <laughs> We're going to get to Machete. Um, you know, because obviously I live in New Jersey. Um, there was a period of time in my life where for my birthday, Almost every year we went to Red Bank, which is where the secret stash is. So I would go to there, Jack's Music Shop, which you can see in um, Chasing Amy, I believe. Because like, I think that's where like Ben Affleck's apartment's like right there in that movie. Oh, um, okay. Jack's Music Shop, which is a really cool like small location. It's where I actually got my um, my Guardians of the Galaxy vinyl uh, for the first movie. Um, and I used to, used to be a shop, may rest in peace, Hobby Masters. It was also Toy Masters. It was a big ass hobby shop that was like two floors um i have like i just when i started like model stuff i have a my old godzilla model uh on display in my man cave is where i got it from hobby masters actually and um, oh they closed a couple a uh, couple years ago but i used to go there all the time i i miss that place so much may it rest in peace if anybody from hobby masters is listening thank you so much um for making that such a cool place. But um, beyond that, Machete. <laughs> We're finally talking about this seminal film, co-directed by Robert Rodriguez. And what's the other guy's name? You know, d- we, the funniest thing is, Richard, the funniest thing is, I remember, and I knew this was not going to happen. <laughs> I just knew it. But that's we, were gonna talk, we, we were going to put the effort to actually, like, know Ethan this guy's name. Maniqui? Ethan Maniqui? I want to uh, attempt uh, at this uh, person's name. Um, if we will, we will re-record if we have to. We will, we'll rectify it. Uh, we will fix uh, this error. Uh, but basically, Machete is about uh, Danny Trejo going to Red Bank and checking out Hobby Master. No, that's not what it's about. <laughs> Machete going to Red Bank, New Jersey, to shop at what's it called again? Hobby Masters. At Hobby Masters, Machete don't go to Secret Stash. Machete don't stash. <laughs> Actually, he does stash. He stashes very well. No, like, yeah, for sure. But what? Um, one of the things you, we were pointing out to each other um, when talking about this movie, I mean, it makes sense for us to talk about this movie because we love Robert Rodriguez. We love Danny mm. Trejo on here. Uh, we enjoy Michelle Rodriguez and Jessica Alba. And this is Robert, pretty much the whole cast. Uh, is Robert like, De Niro. Like, this is his first appearance on our show. <laughs> it's the strangest thing like like of all the movies we could have talked no, about we no but here's one. what's more insulting it's at the same time as steven seagal <laughs> uh, listen you, on one hand you have robert de niro on the other hand you have steven seagal you have one actor who we would love to talk about endlessly because we love robert de niro yes. on the other hand you have an actor that has his own little legacy but you know Politically speaking, we do not align with him whatsoever. No. Um, and the last thing we want to do is, you know, put anyone on a on a mantle or advertise anybody we don't particularly like or think are harmful. You know, so it's just basically p- point is. Well, I want to say one weird one thing that he did that was good. 
Uh, his okay. daughter, his daughter uh, was in Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. And she's, she's great. She's fantastic in the in in that Gamera trilogy. But you know, we love all the people in this. But the funniest thing is, I remember when we were talking about like when we were thinking about, ooh, what will our hundredth episode be? What will our anniversary episodes be? And we always we had talked about doing Grindhouse, which would have been perfect for our uh, for our program to tackle because it's it's a basic it's a double feature in like it's built as one. Yeah. Exactly. It's that's the whole the whole point of that movie, and I remember because this was like Halloween when I pitched it because we were like, okay, what should we talk about for like Halloween or one of the other things? And I was like, Joey, I have a fun idea. What if we talked about Grindhouse because it is by its nature a double feature and it's got a bunch of different directors who are involved in it. Um, obviously, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino are like the main focus, but at the same time, you got like Edgar Wright's in there. Yeah. Uh, you have um, Eli Roth there, Rob Zombie, you know, like these are like all types of different filmmakers who made little like fake trailers and whatnot. And it would be really cool. Yeah. But uh, the, the episode, as time had gone on, got a little... Uh, I guess you could say delayed. I mean, listen, what happens ends up happening is Richard and I watch different movies and we're like, yo, we got to get this on the show at some point. So, you know, it's kind of yeah. like a, the tumbleweed. It just keeps going on. And, you know, at some point we will talk about Grindhouse. I think tumbleweed is a, is a, is a great way to explain that. Yeah. Honestly, because we have so many tumbleweeds. We have quite a few. There was actually a, a couple tumbleweeds we had to we had to squash because of uh, people involved in certain productions. Yeah. Speaking of a Robert, can, can I tell that story real quick? Sure. Go for it. Because I figure I'm, I'm going to just avoid it when we talk about it. So a while ago, another movie pairing that I really want to do was, because uh, especially because I wanted to get Robert Rodriguez on the show, and I'm glad we've finally gotten him and we're going to get more of him on the show. Because he directed him, the first movie I ever saw him make was, I think, Sin City. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the one movie that I think uh, most people probably, outside of maybe Spy Kids, I think the, the one movie that I think people mostly know him for. He's got a couple, he's got a bunch of like things, though, but like Sin City's definitely a, a notable one, for sure. Yeah, no, you're you're right, you're right. Um, and so I wanted to get on the show, and it just made sense to have it paired with Dick Tracy, which you are the biggest fan of that of that movie. I I genuinely love that because it's so silly, mm -hmm. it's so cartoonish. It's got my favorite Al Pacino performance in it, and that's a bold statement. All right, hold up, time out. Has Al Pacino ever been on our show? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Steven Seagal. <laughs> We just know what we just need to talk about heat, and hopefully we'll cover our bases at some point. <laughs> and, <laughs> which is great because you know who else is in heat? Danny Trejo. Oh yeah, uh huh. So listen, it's all coming together, folks. <laughs> but anyway, so I really wanted to do Dick Tracy and Sin City because both like both of them are movies that try to to the max to make these look almost exactly like the comics in, in live action form. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that ever happens anymore, especially with comic book adaptations or superhero adaptations. And I was so excited and that one got pushed a little bit, but eventually I was like, I really want to get it on the show and we scheduled it. Yeah. However, <laughs> um, the, the, the director of that film, as well as the star of that film, Warren Beatty, he was accused recently 
that at the age, like years ago, decades ago, at the age of 35, he groomed and sexually abused a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. That, listen, the moment that came out was the moment I was like, it took me a second to say it, to even like say anything, but Joey messaged me and he's like, do you want to get rid of this? And I'm like, yes, we're, we are not in any way going to support that guy in any way anymore. No, no, absolutely not. So, um, uh, Bonnie and Clyde's never happening. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) Bonnie and Clyde's never happening. Uh, Either way, Seagal is on the show (laughs) now. And that cannot be changed because you're too damn far into this episode. We need to talk about this damn film, Machete, which is a lot of fun. I like this movie. It is. A, it is a lot of fun. But here's okay. Here's the gist of Machete, because obviously we're talking a lot about random stuff here at the start, but stuff that we want to talk about. It's the that's the nature of us as people. We just talk. Yeah. Um. So Machete. You might, you've, I'm pretty sure you've heard of this movie. Some of you may have heard of this movie before you even heard of Grindhouse. But the thing is, it started with Grindhouse, which is why Joey brought it up. Because Grindhouse, um, like, I, like, like I was saying, has fake trailers made by different directors. Um, and Robert Rodriguez wanted to make one of those fake trailers. And the fake trailer he made was for a movie he kind of actually wanted to make. Because ever since he met Danny Trejo... Um, who I, I, you know, he's been in so many of Robert Rodriguez's movies. Um, he's wanted to make him sort of a leading sort of action star type situation. Who's the second cut? Co- they're second cousins, by the way, too. I yes. Just wanted to yes. Bring that. I want. I I knew that, but I didn't want to say it because I forgot if that was like if because I didn't want to be. I, I'm pretty sure that's. But again, if if I'm mistaken, we can correct it. But. I think I think you are correct though. I just yeah, I didn't want to like say it and be like, uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so he's been wanting to to make a movie with Danny Trejo at the forefront and make him like a leading action star, similar to what he's done with like Antonio Banderas and some of the movies he's made with him. And so uh, he made uh, this very like grindhouse like grindhouse sort of like ultra violent, ultra sexual like exploitation sort of movie where machete is this character that uh doesn't he's very stoic he doesn't speak a whole lot but he gets the girl he kills the bad guy and he's badass and he rides a motorcycle with a gatling gun like he's the shit and it's one of the it's one of the first trailers that you see in grindhouse lo and behold after you know so many conversations, a lot of people are like wondering if any of those trailers would actually become movies. The o- now the only other one besides Machete was uh, a movie called uh, Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, which I don't think was in like the main release for Grindhouse, but I think it was in like a later release. Yeah, and so that's technically a spinoff of Grindhouse Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, which I've never seen, but it's got Rucker Hauer in it. Mm, okay, I know that. Um, he is the hobo with the shotgun. Nice. Uh, so, uh, a lot of people really wanted Rob Rodriguez to make Machete. So, a couple of years later, 2010 rolls around. When did, when did Grindhouse come out? I'm forgetting. Um, give me one second. I, uh, 2000, it was, uh, 2007 Grindhouse came. That's such a long 2007. time ago. Wow. Oh my God. I was, I was 16, 17 around that time, probably. Um, and then this movie came out uh, 2010. So, uh, 
three, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, three later. Three years later. <laughs> um, Rob Rodriguez, teaming up with the, the co-director, um, decided to finally make Machete into a movie. And the he got an all like uh, like probably one of the craziest casts you yep. could probably get for a movie. Um, a lot of people who love Robert Rodriguez, and again, it, similar to Spy Kids, it's just Robert Rodriguez working with his friends, mm. making some crazy shit. Yeah. And so we got Danny Trejo at the lead as Machete. You got Jessica Alba playing a um, an ICE agent, essentially. Uh, you have. Michelle Rodriguez playing a, uh, she's like she leads like this network of people that tries to get Mexicans like like immigrants out of Mexico into America and like right. tries to help them find jobs and homes and stuff. You have Robert De Niro playing a uh, piece of shit senator. Uh, you have <laughs> yeah, Joey's like yeah. Um, you have Jeff uh, Fahey, I believe. Uh, yes jeff fahey who really uh, we'll talk more about him but yeah he's he's the he's one i I think what they describe him as like de niro's like aide but he has a lot of other business like Mm businessy connections kind of thing going on yeah he's kind of got he's got some stuff going on behind the scenes um you have Lindsay lohan um this was like during the height of like kind of like her you know people like controversies whatever but Robert Rodriguez is like, I like her. She's a good actor. Let's throw her in here. Right. Yeah. Um, you have uh, newcomer. Uh, you might not have heard of this guy, Don Johnson. Uh, his first movie ever, introduced. Uh, as it says in the opening credits, introducing Don Johnson. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, who plays Vaughn Jackson. <laughs> and uh, he's like this like leader of this like racist militia that like porter like does patrols the border you know what's funny about that richard is that you say that but that could be like five movies because he, <laughs> that, he, he, he listen don johnson unfortunately gets typecast as like piece of shit racist I, but he's I, very good at like, it like one of the funniest ones is in django everybody <laughs> <laughs> cut the hole <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if we can see it matters if the fucking horse can see that's the raid but nobody can see <laughs> oh, i love i love that it's clearly quentin tarantino to doing this but i love that there's one guy like not to point any fingers but they could have been done better <laughs> yes <laughs> like the one the, besides the australian guy the one other role that tarantino's like okay i can play that guy <laughs> right but um so you got don johnson and uh shoot who am i forgetting uh shay wiggum as yes. another like like i don't give a shit like henchman guy and he's so fun uh, or head like <laughs> head like main henchman before he gets killed yes and then of course there's steven seagal who's like the he's like the palpatine go with the star wars reference he's like the palpatine but like i, I feel I, I have no there's like no impact with him, I no. just like I feel like it's one of those things where I don't know if Robert Rodriguez was friends with Steven Seagal, but I'm just like maybe he just like cast him like I know people are not gonna like him, so that's gonna be enough. <laughs> and I'm like it, it never registers for like the scene where like Machete and him like fa- showdown at the end of the movie. I'm like <laughs> it's so anticlimactic, admittedly. <laughs> it's like I, I'm like okay, 
like you could have made this a little more. He wasn't. He's not even that charismatic of like a vi- like a villain. No, I I I laughed so much at the beginning of the movie when he like pulls the sword out and he like pulls it back and then does like the fake like chopping of Machete's head off. I'm like, dear God! Like the funny, the, it's funny because it's not. He's not putting on a performance. I genuinely believe Steven Seagal just see, thinks he's that s- badass. See that that's what like because I'm thinking like maybe there's like a subversion <laughs> thing going on, but then I'm like, no, it's Steve it's Steven fucking Seagal. He believe he believes 100. It's like a uh, fucking Tim Allen in the new Santa Claus show. <laughs> totally he's like he's like he's he's just that midwestern dad like why do people hate cops so much i don't understand i'm santa (laughs) (laughs) like man maybe if you put tim allen in that part that would have at least would have just been funny (laughs) it would have just been funny be like you know machete i don't know why people have such a tough time saying merry christmas anymore (laughs) and then it's it's machete just goes Happy holidays. Uh? <laughs> <laughs> like, but like, that's what I'm about to say. Like, Jeff Fahey, I feel like is the main. Like, I know De Niro. Yes. is like that. The like, obviously, he's the big actor, and he's got a lot of scenes. And De Niro's great in the movie. I love that De Niro. Yes. Like, actually, like his voice. He doesn't all. He he sounds like a character. It's not just De Niro playing some Italian like mob mobster type or mobster. Yeah, type. he's like. A character, I believe. Okay, cool. Um, but Jeff Fahey, I feel like, for all intents and purposes, is like the real villain in a lot of ways of the movie because he's the guy that hires Machete initially to try to do this convoluted fake assassination attempt. Uh, shenanigans. Pretty much, yeah. That, like, not to get too. There's, you know, basically Machete gets framed by this guy, you know, and they, they add a lot of framing going on in this double feature. Uh, like the, the, he gets framed by this guy, and it, it adds to De Niro's like campaign because his poll is like in the shitter. But then it like goes up after which, his. Which, ironically speaking, if you were to, this movie is very political, oddly enough, it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the Mars Attacks of politics movies. <laughs> like both movies are so oddly political, and yet they're so silly. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mar uh, Machete attacks. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would have that that double feature that that would have been that would have been a wild one um but like just just to have robert de niro as a senator and jack nicholson as a president that alone that writes itself oh, but man, that that would have been but, a movie. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah so like like jeff a uh he he hires machete to assassinate but the funny thing that i was thinking when we were watching the movie was like if if that ver- if that senator what what's the, what's his name in the movie uh senator McLaughlin. M- M- McLaughlin or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah yeah senator senator McLaughlin. um he uh we i kept thinking the whole time watching it and i said it to joey if, if this was today his poll like especially with like the the really disgusting like he shoots an immigrant at one point um in, in the at the beginning He'd of the be movie one of trump's buddies Honestly. He'd be he'd be like on the stand. He'd be like like in the cabinet or whatever. My like good this friend, dude would be s- my good friend Senator Robert De Niro. My best friend. <laughs> I love McLaughlin so much. He cares about the American people and the protection of the American people. But there's a lot of framing going on. Obviously, there's a backstory where Machete's family is killed. You know, for he was trying to do mm. the right thing. And, uh, like, <laughs> I just, I just love Danny Trejo, like, 
as like a leading man, like he he's an like unconventional leading man, but like in the best possible way. He's got, oh yeah, like you can't take your eyes off of him. And whenever he whenever he speaks, obviously machete don't text. Like it, it's just it's, it's just it's, memorable, iconic. It's the one line that you need. You don't need like, anything else. Like he pops up on Book of Boba Fett, which is not the best thing anybody's ever done on anybody who's involved in that. It's not their best work, but like. He is memorable on that show as the as the dude who gives <laughs> gives Boba Fett the new right the baby rancor. <laughs> like, uh, and again, it probably wouldn't have happened had Robert Rodriguez not been involved in that. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, like we because like you bring him in, you get that opportunity to finally get some actors that maybe have never been considered for a Star Wars movie. Like, yeah, you know, like not to say that if when you look at Danny Trejo, you don't think of like. A galaxy far, far away, dude. But, he'd be a great bounty hunter, man. Like, but, like he's so perfect. Yeah, he uh, would, he's so good. But like, he's he's especially good as Machete. Now, the funny thing is, like, for the longest time, I thought this was connected to Spy Kids, and I think many others also thought that. But mm-hmm. I think Robert Rodriguez even said that it's not because, and I asked that because Machete is also the name of Danny Trejo's character in spy kids when he's the uncle and i think it's even like isn't it even like machete cortez uh isidore machete cortez um according to the credits here on wikipedia um so um it's it's not far off to assume (laughs) that maybe this is like it's a multi it's a multiverse of machete I, I like to think that every Danny Trejo in the Robert Rodriguez filmography is some variant of Machete. It's like you got Vampire uh, Machete, <laughs> you got Inventor Machete, you got Rancor uh, Wrangler Machete, <laughs> Rancor Wrangler Machete, and then of course you got um, uh, Grindhouse Machete. Yes, um, that's that's what bridges the gap between all of these movies. That's that's the connected universe I want. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. <laughs> but it, but again, I think thinking about that, it goes back to this idea that Robert Rodriguez can seamlessly go from like ma- like making kid like you can make great kids movies as we've talked about, you know, yeah, for like the last hour about almost la- hour about um, Island of Lost Dreams, and he can make a fun like you know fun like dirty like <laughs> dirty action movie <laughs> like grimy grindhouse kind of thing, you know. And it's it's it, it's a really like. Again, very similar to uh, uh, Spy Kids. Like, this is definitely, like, it's geared to adults. <laughs> it's geared to adults, but, like, the visual gags are also so great. I, we were talking about this. The setup and payoffs, there's two that I'm thinking of off the top of my head, are so quick. Because normally in a movie, like, I think about Spy Kids too, when you have the machete rubber bands, right? And that mm-hmm. doesn't come up until the end of the movie, which is typical movie, right? It doesn't yeah. happen till like the third act. But this movie, there's at least two instances of like nice setup and payoff gags. One about the intestine. That hospital action scene might be like one of my favorite things in the whole movie. Honestly, it's so good, man. Because <laughs> like, like I, oh, I, the intestine <laughs> is like sixty feet long. <laughs> you like uses really? Es- and he uses it to escape. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uses it to escape. I, Oh no! I was say I love the bit in that scene when the tables like coming into 
into the shot and like they shoot the tank and it like goes past them you can clearly tell there's no one there yes <laughs> it's like physically impossible for anyone to be onto that table but machete pops out anyway and you're like hell yeah it, why he's not just that he's that he's that fantastic it's like, it's like the it's like the sergio leone logic of movies where it's like oh wait wait he oh he wasn't there because you didn't see him that's all that's it you yep. don't need to think you about it. You didn't think about it. But or the other one's so he throws the thermometer at somebody's neck. And then there's a point where like the thermometer goes after what? the dude's bird, it goes <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. That was incredible. Oh, it was so good, man. Oh, uh, I love uh, there's so much about this. I think I love the hospital saying. I think that's one of my favorite scenes as well. But I also just love like just how how much this movie is steeped in like the grindhouse-ness like the sort of grindhouse because like it is very violent mm-hmm. like there's a whole bit with the intestines and stuff there's a scene and i i apologize for the description but i'll try to be as vague as i can but um in the in the opening scene which is probably the most grindhousey of all the the scenes yeah. i think in the movie mm-hmm. um machete goes into this this house he's a federale at this point and uh he's just got his one machete He's one machete, that's it. And he's chopping all these dudes' heads off, there's blood everywhere. And he walks into this room and there's just this completely naked, beautiful woman. Um and and he's like, Get dressed. She's like, It's too hot for clothes. <laughs> and he picks her up and they walk out. And then, uh, and then, of course, like okay, this is—I love this whole scene. It's just so so ridiculous. But but then she's like. What's this long, hard thing right here? He's like, my machete. <laughs> and then, and, and then she's like, is it sharp? It's razor sharp. And he, and she stabs him with it. And he's like, ah, I'm in pain. And then she proceeds to retrieve a phone that she had stashed somewhere in, in on her person. <laughs> yeah. And there's even a sound effect. I'm just I'm all, I'm mostly laughing at Joey's face. <laughs> but like the like it's 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 like that will never be in like a normal movie necessarily. So like I love that they just went all out in the whole like crazy like exploitation like grindhousey craziness of it. Or like just the fact that Machete I'm pretty sure sleeps with every female character in the movie he just he just does he's he's just got that animal charisma you know, like he's he's like i get it like you're like okay you know and it's dude, never and it's never him forcing anything it's just him no. being invited which he's is just, also fantastic it's amazing like it's just in, in, incredible incredible movie. like like the one time like it's him like going it to like going to the bed and it fades to black he's just laying there and jessica alba wakes up she's like Oh no! What? And then she's like, "Oh, he didn't do anything. He just laid down. What a gentleman!" <laughs> I think the funniest one was what Michelle Rodriguez uh, and him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like, start anything. You can't finish. Like, <laughs> and she just she just leaps on him. Yep. And you're like, I get it. You're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, like, it, like, or like, or like, he walks into the mansion and he sees uh, Jeff A's daughter and wife just like doing some like video for the internet, and they're both naked, and and he just walks in. They're like, "Oh, he's cute. You want to you want to come in?" And he just goes, he just walks. 
Um, I, w- I was thinking about Good, the Bad, and the Ugly when watching this movie because um, obviously there's like, like it's the, vi- the violence and stuff, but also because of um, because of Machete and his brother, um, Ch- Cheech, Cheech Marin, Marin. Cheech Marin's character, the priest, made me think of uh, the character of Tuco and Tuco's brother in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, who mm-hmm. is also a priest and, you know, swore off violence. You want me to help you kill? I've swore, I've swore about peace. You want me, you want me to help you kill all these men? Yes, bro. I, I mean, Padre. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is from the like fake trailer, but I'm glad they left it in. It's so good. Yeah, like I'm trying to think of other stuff, but like this movie again, like you know, this movie cost like ten million dollars to make. Mm. also like and again like budget you know it obviously depends what you do with the budget but i think it just gives you an idea of like listen like marvel movies are like 20 times (laughs) that their their (laughs) catering probably costs as much as the entirety of machete and you know what robert rodriguez can cook and if and i know this because a lot of his special features for his for his movies have cooking segments Mm -hmm. and so i'm just thinking like I, I just imagine like a Robert Rodriguez set is probably one of the best because you got all these great people playing 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 ball wanting to be in this movie. You got Robert Rodriguez, he's doing all these things, but he's having a great time. I I always think of that clip of him playing the guitar for Grogu. I love that clip. It's so good, and he did it again when he was doing uh, Boba Fett. So I love it. I love him. Yes. Um, but I could just picture like he's like you know what I'm gonna make something great for for my. Uh, for my cast and my crew today and so he probably cooks up like a whole like barbecue feast mm. and i'm like you can only you can only imagine like just walking on set and you smell something good you're like oh robert's working mm. <laughs> he's uh so who needs a catering budget when robert rodriguez is like i love to cook i got you guys <sighs> yeah <laughs> I'm trying to think about other like that that like shay wiggum in this movie is fantastic um i think yes, his performance he is. is i mean we talked about him before um in, in uh in skull, skull island, island. <clears throat> he's incredible in that I, lo- I think the one thing i would notice though like when he has like the gu- like the gun pointed out of the car it, it didn't even look like his own arm it looked like just a <laughs> random arm that was supposed to be his every time he pointed a gun it was like the sassiest way you could point a gun at someone i think about that he has the flowers and the flowers drop you know there's some mm-hmm. some fun memorable things and he, he's pretty gr- he's great in the movie for sure and then another returnee, we got Jessica Alba. She's back. Yes, she's back. She, she was. We talked about her with uh, Idle Hands, and this time she's back. Um, she's worked with Robert Rodriguez a couple of times, actually. She was in both Sin City movies, and Spy Kids, um, the latest, Spy Kids. Uh, one of the newer ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was. She is the new Carla Gugino. <laughs> Or she's just a whole separate character. I don't know. I don't know the plot of those ones. I haven't seen them in a bit. Of play, yeah, yeah. maybe an interesting uh, thought experiment. But um... but no, she's 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 a lot of fun. She's having a good time. I love her chemistry. I love her chemistry with Machete, but I also love it with uh, Michelle Rodriguez because there's clearly like a like yeah, we're on the same page kind of, but we're on different teams. Two sides of the same coin, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, and that yeah, that was a good scene actually. I'm glad you brought that one up when when they're when we first introduced to them. It's like you know, it's the same as it was when you asked yeah asked for it yesterday. They like, talk about their their like work permit or whatever and the badge. And I was like, I'll take my coffee, but hold the spit. 
It's like, yeah, here you go. Yeah, it's 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 a fun it's a fun little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just two ladies. They're not even talking about dudes. They're just like they're talking about the circumstances of their life at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, do you, clearly, there's a sense of history, obviously, and that's always nice when you have that in a movie. And you don't have to, you know, over-explain it. She even um, gets like a fun like speech, like yeah. she gets like a like a rally the troops speech at the end of the movie, which was cool. She has a nice little character arc, and also uh, Michelle Rodriguez, like obviously, like Danny Trejo is iconic in this movie as uh, Machete, but she's also iconic. She's got that eye patch. Listen, w- the moment she walks out of the ambulance at, towards the the big like battle at the end of the movie, I pre- like it was like at that point. I'm pretty sure like like Robert Rodriguez said, "All right, if we were going to make action figures of these characters, what would they look like?" Danny Trejo, he's got uh, no shirt, but he just has the vest with the like daggers on it and his machetes. Yeah, um, you got uh, Lindsay Lohan as a as a as like a nun with a big old revolver, like yeah. ready to shoot you down and then yeah, you yeah, got yeah. uh michelle rodriguez um with like the eye patch and the like holsters uh on her sides and like the like the, like scorpion belt and what, what was like that what's the character that she's she i think she. is what it's called <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I love i love the bit in that conversation when jessica almost like who's she and it's the poster it just says she <laughs> who's she <laughs> but like uh she listen, Michelle Rodriguez. I just applaud for her. Yes, she's always fantastic. She always knows what's up. Yeah, another fun fact: uh, 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 this was Steven Seagal's first theatrically released <laughs> film since 2002's <laughs> Half Past Dead, which means this makes Robert Rodriguez a brave little toaster. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding on that for five minutes, by the way. Um, <laughs> not, not I, that this no, I, I am. <laughs> I am not surprised that you were holding that <laughs> that, that DVD context because I wanted in the episode context. So periodically, <laughs> Joey, I think he just has it next to him at all times when he's in the man cave. Um, but he has this DVD copy of the Brave Little Toaster. Uh, the Disney classic that is the Brave Little Toaster, mm. and periodically we'll say something and we'll joke, and Joey will just randomly go, "You know what that makes him? A Brave Little Toaster." <laughs> Dude, the thing is, Brave Little Toaster might end up being the one film we never talk about on Two Dudes One, one Double Feature that'll be in the Hall of Fame because <laughs> it is. It, you know, <laughs> you know why? Because it's, it's, it's a Brave, brave little, little Toaster, toaster. <laughs> little Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. But uh, did you see the sequel to this? I did. Machete Kills. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I did. I think that one was solely directed by Robert Rodriguez, if I remember correctly. And I think uh, Antonio Banderas is in that one. Yeah, that's what I, I remember looking, seeing that. What did you think of that one in comparison? Not not that you want to just compare things, but like... Um, like, I, I, like it, was, it was okay. I don't remember it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a little bit more grindhouse I think like that was probably my biggest take my my biggest gripe with Machete is that like especially since it's a you know spin-off of Grindhouse I kind of w- wished it was a bit more like Grindhousey like I even feel like the sort of uh scratchy like film thing went away at one point yeah. cuz like it was very prominent at the opening of the movie but then the rest of the movie was kind of gone but I think 
Machete Kills is a, a little bit more like that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, uh, and again, another, like, I think Robert Rodriguez just went even crazier with the cast. I think Lady Gaga shows up at one point, which is really cool. I'm already, um, I'm already excited. P- you don't, you don't pre- even need to say anymore. Like, <laughs> like I, pre- I enjoy, Star is born. listen, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm, I enjoy the music of Lady Gaga immensely. Oh, same. Like, oh, same. Uh, like, I, like, I, I will admit I was one of those people that was like, what's she doing? But at the same time, like the music was like fantastic. Oh like God. I still I still jam to board this way, whenever board, it's on. I'm like I'm ready. This way, Edge of Glory is one of my fa- is one of my all time favorite just song. What a great song! Uh, Telephone. I remember when that music video came out. That music video was amazing. Oh, man, oh my that was, God! That was I remember that being controversial for some. I, I I I just remember watching it going like that's insane. But of course the big the big talking point was wait Lady Gaga doesn't have a penis like. What? (laughs) (laughs) Where did this come from? This is a very, uh, very bizarre. You know, I love that this conversation in Machete, we can go from like, you know, things like Hobby Masters, (laughs) the music uh, career of Lady Gaga, Brave Little Toaster, you know, Steven Seagal's. uh, Machete brings out the best in us. The best. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But typically, it was the worst when Steven Seagal was involved. Oh my god! But like, but uh, how, I look at him and I'm like, how was this dude ever? I, I remember, I remember, like my my parents had the VHS. Was it Under Siege? Was that one of the movies that mm-hmm. he did? I, I remember yeah. that VHS cover, and I'm like, how was this dude? Like, what? There was a time I, when this dude I, was the top of the world. Like, I never what? like like. To be completely honest, and not to keep harping on Steven Seagal, no, but like, yeah, like you know. um, I never really at any point saw why he was so popular. You know what I mean? Like I get it. Like like he was one of those, like he's like people like those kind of like like I I understand even why he was cast in this movie because he has sort of that his action characters I I think have the sort of same aesthetic that Machete does because they're, they're like. They say like few words and they're very stoic, right. and no, they're just yeah, really good at what they yeah. do. You know what I think it but, is too. It, it, it's kind of like back in his day. Like I guess there were so many action movies back then mm-hmm. that there was enough. There was enough demand, I guess, so where somebody like Steven Seagal could be a star. Like as as strange as that as sounds to yeah. us uh, today. You know, again, I'm not. We're not trying to be like. Not that we have any love for Steve. I'm not trying to be. It's just like it's a fascinating thing. To it's fascinating at. that he's even here <laughs> to yes. begin with. But he's he's not in the sequel, I believe. Okay, because well, he dies in this one. Yeah. But uh, again, they got like Robert Rodriguez outside of Lady Gaga. Also got a pretty insane cast. Like look like look up the cast list real quick because I want to I want to just like illustrate because like like he got Lady Gaga. I think. Um, I mean, Amber Heard was there. Mel Gibson's in this. Mel, um, Mel Gibson's there. Sofia um, Vergara. Vanessa Char- Hudgens. Charlie Sheen, but uh, he was uh, his. He used his his birth name. Oh, um, Carlos wow. Estevez. Carlos Estevez. Wow, that's actually it's actually crazy because like I figured that was him, but like it's crazy to like highlight because you we've known him as Charlie Sheen for so long that that is his name on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Damien Blashier, who's a good actor, uh, Walt, mm-hmm. Walton Goggins, like man, this stack, this cast is stacked. Like oh again, God. it's just like 
you got to give credit to where credit's due. And Robert Rodriguez is one of those guys that people just know. And it, and I'm not just talking about like you know the food thing like I was saying earlier. Like like people just know like this is a dude that wants to play. Like he mm-hmm. wants to have the best time ever. And does that mean every movie he makes is great? Your mileage may vary. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of him, and I have an absolute uh, huge amount of respect for him and and what he represents as a filmmaker and and the kind of stuff that he puts out there because he just wants to highlight um other people and he wants to you know do these like really crazy movies that no one else seems to be doing like I still I mentioned this the last time I still think about the time that you know how he sold his approach to the the Mandalorian episode uh that introduced Boba Fett back to the the series was by filming his action figures with his kids mm. and I'm like like that, that's 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 amazing. No, actually, and again, I think about the ten minute film school uh, where it was for Spy Kids three uh, D, and there was like clips of him, pl- I, I think, playing with his one of his kids, and they were there was like toy trains, like Thomas the Tank Engine, like with the wood wood tracks and all that, and he added like mm. sound effects over it, and I'm like, that's kind of the vibe, honestly. Like it is, it, he is getting he's getting the m- most mileage he can out of the money he's given and you create something that's pretty damn entertaining, honestly, like both of these. And it, yeah. And it gives him that like creative freedom too. Yes. Because he's, mm-hmm. yeah. Which you don't get a lot with big budgets because if you get a big budget, that means someone else might be calling the shots. Someone's like uh, really looking closely at, at everything. Um, yeah. I mean, but, but both of these movies for sure, are just, they're just super fun. For very different for different reasons, uh, some same mm. reasons obviously, but like very like one obviously is a grindhouse spinoff, and the other one is a tent family tentpole uh, sequel. <laughs> it just shows the variety this guy has, and yeah, possibly in in some capacity, you could argue they're in the same universe. <laughs> we yeah, multiverse. It, it is uh, listen. <laughs> Multiverse. Listen, guys, listen, listen. All I have to say is that Richard, Richard, for thinking <laughs> this thing, is, is... Say it. Say it! little toaster. Woo! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Here's a question I have for you real quick. Sure, sure, uh, sure. Because I feel like we're winding out a little bit. Yep. What's... I mean, I, obviously we have a lot of stuff planned for later on, but um, what... Uh, is a Robert Rodriguez movie you're probably the most looking forward to like talking about on this show or what's a movie that you're like of his films that you're like this this is probably gonna be a lot of fun to talk about well I'm definitely curious to talk I really want to talk about Sin City because I saw it once many years ago mm-hmm. um and I want to like I said it's kind of it's one of those things I just want to revisit it um and on that note we fixed that double feature so yeah, we did Dick Tracy's gone but we put something else we, in place yeah. with Sin City so yeah. get ready for that episode get ready for that um, Alita Battle Angel would be another one because I I didn't see that, and mm-hmm. I had heard I, I knew I know a lot of people who are really big Alita Battle Angel, um, you know, movie fans, mm-hmm. and you know what? Out of just sheer curiosity, I don't know if you know we'll ever talk about the, this movie, but Shark Boy and Lava Girl, if we ever decided, honestly, to check that. I out, am not against it. I'm I'm just, I'm kind of like like if we plan something, I would totally do it. Because like like watch going through the Spy Kids movies and knowing my love for the third like I'm just like man I am very curious about about this one you know and because it's always a movie everybody memes about like Shark Boy and Lava Girl <laughs> exists but I'm like you know what 
the fact that he got that made is just amazing. I, it's like just the concept alone. Like you could imagine him pitching it to someone going, Oh, shark boy, lava girl, we're going to do this. And then the studio just going, why? And he's like, cause I want to like, oh, okay. It's like, here's the budget. All right. That's your budget. Cool. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I'm also a producer on it, so... Uh, yeah, uh, take that. <laughs> Imagine how many times he's given Harvey Weinstein the middle finger, like, I'm out. Thanks for letting me distribute my movie. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> ah! let, me, let me just look at this. How much... What was this? Man. <laughs> he got... Who's given $50 million to make Sharkboy and Lava Girl? And then what did it make? 72. So, yeah, okay. you know, it's... But uh, I def and there's it's a- got a legacy and it's got it's a got- Netflix sequel. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, Robert Rodriguez, man, we definitely have a lot of respect for him on our on our show. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody, anybody who can make make things like Desperado, the Spy Kids movies, Machete, like, man, that's that's just that's just the two dude two dudes like kind of thing. Just a lot of fun, really creative, well made. Uh, you feature sexy people. I mean, Antonio Banderas, Danny Trejo, Antonio Banderas, Tra- Danny Trejo, Jessica Alba, Ricardo Montalban, Ricardo uh, Montalban, Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Carlo, no. Carlo Gugino. Yes, like the list goes on, man. He's <laughs> got he, he, he Bill Paxton, and you know what? You know what? Steve Buscemi. Why not? Yes. I'm throwing yes. it out there, unless like I hear something later, then I'm gonna regret that. But you, oh, man, I, I hope we didn't talk about the one joke in that movie that he says that I always hear people quote is that Do you uh, think God hides in heaven <laughs> from fear of his creations. Yes, <laughs> I I think so. Yes. You know what? You know what? To quote uh to quote not that I don't know if this has any relation, but to quote Cheech Marin, God has mercy. I don't. <laughs> That's just a great line. Like that is a great line. <laughs> it, it's, it's just a great, great line. Um, folks, what are your favorite Robert Rodriguez movies? Uh, what are your favorite uh, performances by Danny Trejo? You know, uh, do you believe in the Machete verse? Um, Please, like we want, we want some verification on this. <laughs> verification. Uh, uh, Steven Seagal exists. Um, sure. You know, <laughs> actually, you know there. what? You know what? If you are a Steven Seagal fan, what is your favorite Steven Seagal movie that isn't Under Siege? <laughs> I love, I love the little thing. This is a challenge, by the way. If you can't name one, then you're not a fan. <laughs> you're probably like us then. <laughs> or, or they just, they just, just like okay. The the best movie was not even him. It's just his daughter was in Gamera. That's the best thing he's got. That's what we got. That's our answer. That, that's our answer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's kind of wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes One Old Feature. Check us out in two weeks. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.
you're talking about. <laughs> Robert Rodriguez is is 